0: Hello there, ladies and gents, and welcome back to another episode of In The Know, a dispatch-powered podcast where we dive into everything that is customer-focused and customer-driven. This is Todd Stewart, and I am incredibly thrilled to get today's episode started. If you like being surrounded by people who are challenging, obviously for the better, help you grow, make you think critically, and inspire you, then you'll really love today's guest. Today we're having a conversation with Corey O'Donnell, our new CMO here at Dispatch. Corey comes from Yodel, a digital marketing company recently acquired by web.com, acquired in part because of the Centermark platform Corey helped envision, evangelize, and then at the end of the day, market. Corey came to dispatch through our CEO Avi Goldberg and is now in charge of helping the company refine its brand, clean up its messaging, and essentially put gasoline in the marketing engine. And in my mind, without a doubt, this is the guy to do it. But who is Corey? Well, Corey started his career at Osei, now a Canon company, as the director of marketing where he had a variety of sales and marketing roles and ultimately built the color product division in the US and subsequently grew the marketing ROI by 260%. From there, he held various executive marketing and product roles at companies like Authentium, Campus Management, and as I previously mentioned, Web.com. Over the years, marketing and sales professionals have praised Corey saying, sales enablement, In two simple words, that is what Corey is to me. I've never worked with anybody who has the ability to create marketing campaigns and strategies like Corey. Under Corey's guidance, I have seen an idea become a vision, and that vision become the backbone of the organization. His creative talent and go-to-market strategy have catapulted our sales efforts and led us to become the most powerful brand in the industry that is a LinkedIn reviewer. Needless to say, if you visit Corey's LinkedIn page, this is just one of the many praises that past coworkers have given him. And that is essentially why I am thrilled to get this conversation rolling. So pay attention, get out a notebook, and please enjoy my conversation with Corey O'Donnell. Well, Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing great, doing good. Um, So I am sitting here with this piece of paper in my hands. You gave this to me virtually, maybe the first day, the second day when you started, Um, and I have to tell you, I've never really received a piece of paper like this before. I thought it was awesome. That's why I'm really pumped for this discussion. But I want to know, do you always give this piece of paper to your team? Generally
1: speaking, I make it a policy to post it to the wall of my office, if I have a physical office presence, or to send it to everyone I've ever worked for, everyone I've ever worked with, and anyone who ever's
0: worked for me. So for you guys listening, this piece of paper, it is Corey's principles. Uh, principles of how he thinks, what he expects, why he's here. And some of these principles say perfection is boring, a good idea is a good idea, and everyone is intelligent and everyone is willing to work hard. Um, I, I personally loved reading these because it sets this cultural standard, one, for our team, but I also think a healthy environment for the for the organization as a whole. And I want to know when did you come up with these? Was it a while ago? Was it early on? Uh, honestly, it was early on. So uh, I think
1: the document that you're looking at dates back about 20 years. Um, I think I started with the first five. Uh, in 1997 and uh, probably within two to three years after that had modified Moses didn't come down to the from the mountain with five commandments He came down with ten so at some point I decided I needed to, to beef it up and go to ten Well, why did you bump with these? <laughs> Why did I come up with them? Yeah. Um, Essentially, as I recall, um, a lot of companies post their corporate values. So what do we stand for as an organization? How do we act as individuals as part of this group? And And it occurred to me that nobody says that about themselves. What is the operating playbook for you? What are the things you believe in? How do you act and behave? And what should I expect when I interact with you? Uh, And as I worked with different people in different organizations and took on different roles, it became clear that I'd probably be doing a favor to people if I published a manual on Corey. And so on some level, this is my operating manual because it tells you something about how I think, how I act, how I behave in the workplace.
0: Well, it's great. I don't have to... One, the team doesn't have to figure it out. It's not like we have to work four months and say, Oh, we didn't know this about you. This is how you operate. This is how you think. So guys, we're going to go into this. I want all of you to know exactly what is on Corey's list. Take out a pen, write some of these down. If you have ideas that spark off of this, we'd love to know. Uh, but we're going to go through this in detail. So let's start off with your first principle. Everyone is intelligent. Everyone is willing to work hard. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Well, first, let me say that uh, I don't think any of these
1: are uh, equal to the Ten Commandments, or are in any way anything magnificent or special. They're rare. They're actually pretty obvious. Um, but uh, I do think that they help provide um, a basic understanding of the thought process around how I think teams should interact and how I personally want to make sure I behave in the workplace. So, speaking um, of that, the first one: uh, everyone is intelligent. Everyone's willing to work hard. Really comes from. Uh, the time I've seen wasted chasing blame in organizations where we spend a lot of time and energy after something goes wrong trying to figure out who's at fault. Uh, And that's not an unimportant exercise. You want to understand where you failed so that you can not repeat that mistake. But a lot of people get caught up in just let's place the blame. And that finger pointing is is just fundamentally unhealthy. And so in order to keep myself from ever doing that, I come in with a thought that says everyone's intelligent, which means they're smart enough to get their job done right. And everyone's willing to work hard, which means that they didn't just slack off because they felt like it. So if something didn't happen, it was probably what we call a natural human mistake, or they were too busy, too hardworking, doing too much someplace else, that something fell off the table and it happens to all of us. And having the baseline of that understanding means that you don't go and scream at somebody. You stupid idiot. You say hey, what happened here and how do we fix it? How do we move forward? Let's solve the problem, not go after who's at fault for for what occurred in the past. And it's also, it seems like it's a, a great learning opportunity too. Oh, 100%. For both parties. Yeah, which leads into other principles you're going to see. But ultimately, you only get that from the the party, from the, especially from the party. If somebody that works for me, for example, knows that I think this way, you're intelligent, you're willing to work hard, then they have the trust that when they take feedback, it's coming from a place that says, you're not an idiot and you're not lazy. And so I can give constructive feedback. That isn't, doesn't imply one of those two things. Uh, and so I think having that as a core principle is important in order to help to build the trust that you need with people in order to communicate and have you know, have feedback.
0: Now, is this a principle that can just be or should just be at a manager level or is it across the board? No, I think it's across
1: the board. I think you should expect it. We are on a team. Everyone works together to try to solve the problems of our customers on behalf of the company. And so it doesn't matter if you work for somebody, with somebody, or somebody works for you, the same principle should apply, which is we're all just trying to get our jobs done in order to solve the ultimate problem for our customers. And so I think it applies to everybody.
0: Next principle perfection
1: is boring yeah so this is just one for my own sanity um and 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 what i mean by that is everyone gets frustrated at something that didn't happen fast enough something that didn't work the way that it was supposed to um you know feedback that's received that's unpleasant you name it there's always going to be something when you show up at work every day that just seems to have gone wrong um and so for my own sanity I try to remember that if things were just swimmingly smooth, if everything was just wonderful, it would be incredibly intolerably boring here. (laughs) There would be nothing to do if there's no problems to solve, if there wasn't a fire to put out. And so trying to remind yourself that you're in the firefighting business and it's a good thing that there are fires to fight um, is a good way to stay sane. And so ultimately that one's on there really just for me to remember that it's, it's, it's good to have fires to put out.
0: I like that. Third one. I'm here to make friends.
1: So this goes back a little bit to what you asked before with regard to to feedback. Um, And it doesn't just apply to employees, it applies to everybody that you work with. Um, If you think about people in your life who can give you real hard constructive feedback, whether it be your parents uh, or a close friend, it's always gonna be somebody who's built the bonds of trust with you over years of a relationship. Um, And by opening up themselves and showing that they're honest and trustworthy and those sorts of things. Um, And good communication takes place between people who get along. And so there's a lot of people, and I, I remember when I wrote this, there was a lot of people who, hey, look, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money, you know, especially in the sales game. It's like, well, no, I am here to make friends because ultimately my ability to get things done is predicated on my ability to work with others. My ability to work with others is predicated on my ability to build good trust relationships with those people so that they'll give me information. I can give them information. And so ultimately, you know, I just believe that you have to be, you have to be willing to be friends with the people you work with. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to hang out and party every night or on the weekends. uh, And it doesn't even necessarily mean you're going to stay friends 20 years later, but it means within the context of showing up in this place every day, I want to get along with the people.
0: Continuing on, your next principle, a good idea is a good idea.
1: Yeah, so this goes to the the point that these were written 20 years ago. And so what's funny is that sometimes something I wrote back then when I was young and had hair, um, when I read now, it acts as a reminder. Uh, So 20 years ago, this was written from a place of frustration being part of a 17,000-person organization with you know, uh, you know, operations in 17 countries uh, and, and feeling like, I don't have a voice. I can't solve the I know the solution. I know where it is. I can't actually inflict a change here because I don't have the, 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 the sort of gravitas, if you will, in my small little uh, you know, lower middle management role to really make any changes happen. Um, and, and so at the time, I think I was probably frustrated and, and this was written out of the idea that, hey, listen to the people who are closest to the problems because they're probably best able to diagnose the solution. Um, and now, uh, having had the good fortune of 20 years of experience and risen the ranks a little bit, uh, I spin it around and it reminds me that sitting where I sit, sometimes at the top of the stack within an organization, I don't have insight into what's gone wrong. I know the macro level. I don't necessarily know the micro level. And I need to go and trust those people. And you know, I don't work in hardware, we don't work in, in, in product hardware, but you can, um, my dad used to work in computer services. And uh, there was a joke about him crossing the yellow line, which as a, an executive, he would go into the 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 remanufacturing facilities or the service facilities and cross that yellow line that keeps the you know, safe keeps you safe from all the hard work that's going on and look at what was happening and that's because he wanted to understand if a screw was being put in the wrong place and that's the ultimate reason that seventeen thousand units are failing at a you know chief executive officer level you're going to hear seventeen thousand units failed and you're going to try to Figure out all the different ways that that could be solved. And meanwhile, some guy down on the factory line is going, the screw's in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, if you had just asked me, I could have told you the screw's in the wrong place.
0: Uh, and so you really have to remind yourself to listen to people who are closest to the problem. So if you have an idea like this, for people that are listening to this, how do you know, though? So for example, I, I am a CFO at a company. And a software engineer comes up and this is the only outlet for the software engineer to express. So we have a meeting mm-hmm. and they say, we should do this. We should do this. I, I, I think this is the reason why X, Y, and Z is not working. What should trigger in the CFO's mind that says, I need to pay attention. And I also need to relay this information.
1: I mean, you have to follow the same standard practices of how you make smart decisions, which is go fact check talk to others, make sure that the thing that's being you know, prescribed is the actual problem. I mean, you don't just take it at face value because somebody tells you, I've got the solution. At the same time, it, what it really starts with is respect for the fact that that software engineer is really close to the problem that you're trying to solve. And so his input is incredibly valuable. And in a lot of organizations, they don't go to that guy. They talk all up in the management circles and they never go down and say, Billy, what do you think? And he's the guy that could tell you, like I said, that the screw's in the wrong place. So it really is just a way to remind yourself to, to respect everybody's ability to contribute um, and to remember that people that are closest to problems are usually the best at
0: trying to solve them. So the big takeaway is go find that yellow line. Yeah, exactly. Go find yeah, that. Great. I asked you to explain this principle on probably day number two, and this one actually stood out to me. I loved this one, but it did make me think, my boss is in the mirror. Explain that. Uh,
1: I mean, real simple. Uh, On some level, this is the anti-brown nosing policy, uh, which basically says, the person I need to please isn't the one above me in the organization chart, it's the one I see in the mirror when I get home. Because if I can go home knowing I've put forth my best ideas, given my best effort, um, and, and done the job I believe I'm capable of doing, I can sleep soundly at night. Uh, you may not agree. Uh, and and I, I've, I'm sure I've had people who I've worked for who said, you didn't hit home run today. But I felt like I did. And to me, that's far more important. Because if I'm motivated to please myself, ultimately, I know I'll please others. If I'm just trying to please the appearance you know, what other people think of me, I'll almost never succeed because I'm not intrinsically motivated to please myself. And so, I, you know, for me, it's just a reminder that, you know, the person I need to please most is, is myself.
0: Continuing, respect is presumed then earned. Uh, so
1: this is a funny one because this is one of those ones that came a little later. Um, and you start to see people uh, and get exposed to people in different leadership roles. And I'm not gonna call it any names, um, But you look around and you go, wow, that's an empty suit. That's a guy that looks like a CEO, sounds like a CEO, but doesn't do anything and doesn't know anything. Um, And a lot of times you encounter people who, because they've taken on a certain status, reached an important certain point in their career, uh, they get a title, their president, their CEO, they're something like that. They presume that the world should just, the world owes them something, the world owes them respect. And the world does, to be fair. Um, I have to presume you earned your station in life. Um, so I'll presume that you deserve respect. But you got to earn it if you want to keep it. And that latter thing is much, much harder to do. And it's born by your actions and your behavior and the way w- which you make decisions every single day. So I don't respect people just because they're CEOs.
0: I respect good CEOs who care about their people. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. I like that. The end of a problem lies where it begins.
1: Basic anti-gossip policy. Don't go around and, and, you know, if you complain uh, about an issue, if you and I have a direct conflict um, and I decide that the best way to solve that conflict isn't to talk to you about it, it's to talk to 17 other people in the office. All I've done is warp and distort 17 other people's opinion of you, of the situation we were discussing. And to have 17 conversations, I probably wasted 17 hours of time. Meanwhile, if I had gone to you and had a five-minute conversation, the whole thing would have been resolved and nobody else would have had to deal with it. So ultimately, going back to the source of the problem is usually the best policy. It's not always easy. Uh, And so this is one of those things, again, sort of self-reminder that says, I know it's not easy. It sometimes can be uncomfortable to have tough conversations. Go have that conversation. Go talk to that person and say, look, I've got an issue. I've got a problem. You know, this happened. Let's
0: talk about it. Number eight out of 10, we have a couple more. Inspection warrants expectation. This is a cute way of saying you can't judge
1: a book by its cover. Um, I'll tell a little anecdote here. So I used to work for a company that was headquartered in Illinois, uh, just uh, near O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And we had a CEO who did what I would call bed checks, which is to say he would walk down the office halls and look who was in at 8 a.m. And he'd do it again around 6 p.m. Bed checks. Bed checks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you could see that his opinion of people was informed by whether they were there and whether they stayed. I had the interesting vantage point of being catty corner from a guy who came in at 7 a.m. every morning and left around 10 p.m. every night. So by the CEO's count, he was the hardest working guy in the business. From my vantage point, what I watched was a guy who came in and read the newspaper for three hours, tucked in under his arm and went to the bathroom for two hours, came back, made some lunch plans with friends, came back, spent about 15 minutes on his computer doing some actual real work, and then in the afternoon just sort of mulled around and rumor gossiped and those sorts of things. I don't know what his home life was. I don't know that he had nothing else to go home to. What I can tell you is he didn't do any actual real work in that consumption of hours. And so what that formed in me was a very clear understanding and opinion that you can't judge people by the hours of time they spend sitting in a specific location. Uh, there's an old joke that says that, that you know, uh, standing in a garage for 10 hours doesn't make me a car. Uh, and so ultimately being in the office, being in front of my desk, doesn't make me a good productive employee. It's about the results. And so the other way I, I would often describe this is, is with the orange analogy, which is if I asked you to make orange juice and I gave you a basket full of big round oranges and a basket full of small oranges. And I said, which one do you want to use to make the juice? Most people knee jerk responses. The big ones, of course, wrong answer. You get, let me squeeze one first is the right answer. Because once you squeeze, you figure out that they're, whether they're dry or whether they're 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 they're, uh, they're good oranges, uh, and so ultimately employees are the same way. Don't judge people on how much time they spend in the office or what the appearance of their work is. Judge them on the results, and so measure your employees based on the results, not on
0: the uh, you know, the appearance of results. It, it's an, a simple mindset, but it's something that people need to be reminded consistently. Yeah. This is my job. This well, I'm I'm not saying this is my job. This is one of your principles. This is my job. I'm sure there's more detail into that. What is it? Uh, it, You know, again, uh, again, over
1: courses of your career, you'll find times where the thing that you are tasked to do, somebody else wants to do for you. Um, And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's helpful. A lot of times that feels like somebody stepping on your toes uh, and it can feel like your value is being questioned. Um, and nobody likes that. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes feeling like circumstances are out of their control. Like things are happening and I, I don't have a say in this. And so I make it a very simple policy that says, uh, if I work for somebody, this is the scope of my responsibility as I understand it. Uh, you need to let me do that. If you don't want to let me do that, you should fire me because it's my job. Mm -hmm. Uh, and my employees, the same thing. If, I give you a you know, scope of responsibility. I expect that you're gonna do it. If you don't, you should expect to hear about it. Um, but you shouldn't expect that I'm going to come and micromanage you and babysit and, and, and make your life a living hell uh, to try to force you to do certain things because if I have to do your job, then we're in the wrong space. Uh, you know, You're in the wrong job. Uh, And so ultimately, it it, it, it is as it says, this is my job and everyone should feel that way. Some sense of ownership around what they do uh, and some sense of responsibility that they have the freedom uh, to make the impact that
0: they they can make. Yeah. And when that ownership is there, I think people step up. Yeah, absolutely. So final principle, keep priorities in order. Uh, this one had to come last because it's the one
1: that sort of wraps it all up. Uh, and basically, the, the idea here is uh, I really like you and I like all the people here. We're all wonderful friends. Uh, and I, I, I believe in the mission uh, and what we do as a company. But if I had $150 million in the bank, um, I'm not sure that I would do this job the same way. Uh, and the reason I say that is because um, there is a fundamental principle that, from, from my perspective, that work supports living, and it should never be mistaken for living. Uh, that is not to say you can't do good work within the course of your life, and that it isn't something you should be proud of and, and remember. Um, but for the most part, when you are lying on your deathbed, the things you think about are not going to be about Remember that time we got that report in on time? <laughs> Remember that time we made that sale? But Remember- we stayed late. <laughs> yeah, we stayed late. did <laughs> yeah. that. Late. You're not going to be thinking about that. You're going to think about the, the fun and warm times with family and friends. You're going to think about those types of things. And so if you miss out on all that because you know, work was the only thing in your life, uh, then ultimately you're working for nothing. Uh, It's a very difficult balance for all of us to achieve. Uh, I'm not the best at it all the time, uh, and I don't think I'm the best at applying it to others, Um, but ultimately what I believe is that you've got to have the right balance between work and life, and you've got to constantly remind yourself that work fulfills me, uh, it makes me feel useful, uh, it, 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 it answers an inner need I have to sort of deliver something to the world, but at the same time, I really do it because I want the money and freedom to do all those other things in life that I know are really important to me, like family and friends and and that sort of stuff.
0: So these 10 principles are incredible. If somebody came up to you and said, Corey, I'm a manager, I have to pick one of these philosophies to add to my overall pedagogy, how I think, how I work with my subordinates... What would you tell them? What would be the top one, two, or three principles that they should focus on first? That's like picking a favorite child. I can't. I can't. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> um,
1: I don't, I actually honestly, I don't know that I could say. I would say, first of all, as I said at the beginning, there's nothing here that's rocket science, and there's nothing here that I deserve a Pulitzer Prize for having written. Uh, I think most people, when they hear this, are going to think, duh, that's fairly obvious. Uh, And in in most people's minds, they're thinking, I live that way. I just didn't take the time to write it down. And so what I would say uh, is forget about which one of these, write it down. Whatever yours are, write them down. Write them down for your sake. Write them down for the sake of the people around you because – There's nothing wrong with having that operator's manual, and there's nothing wrong with taking a little pride in telling the world, look, this is how I think, and this is how I operate, and you should have these expectations when you encounter me. It can be a little uncomfortable, and I think I mentioned when I first shared it with you, it's always a little, you never know how people are going to take it Mm -hmm. when you put something like this in front of them, Yep, you know, Um, but I've, from my perspective so far, I've not seen it turn out poorly for me, and so my only recommendation to anyone would be, think about what you care about. Think about the operating values, the core principles, the core values, not just of your company, but for you as an individual. And just like your company puts it on a mug, put yours down
0: someplace. So to wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to contact you, ask you any marketing questions, leadership guidance, uh, what's the best way? Is it email, LinkedIn? Both. Both? Yeah, so, Yeah, at Dispatch.me and
1: um, on LinkedIn, Corey O'Donnell. Awesome.
0: Corey, this was a great conversation. Thanks for coming today. Thanks, Todd. I enjoyed it. It was great. If you want a copy of Corey's Principles, you can find them on the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me, all one word. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate it if you could please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week.